Now, the Buckeye Extra Podcast with Rob Aller, Bill Rabinowitz, and Joey Kaufman from the Columbus Dispatch. The Buckeye Extra Football Podcast is presented by CF Bank, the boutique bank, member FDIC and equal housing lender, and Rosati Windows, Central Ohio's number one replacement window company. Hello, Buckeye fans. It's Friday, December 17th. This is Joey Kaufman, and I'm joined by Bill Rabinowitz for this edition of the Buckeye Extra Football Podcast. And we're going to talk about what was essentially Ohio State's on-campus media day for the Rose Bowl. About a dozen players were made available uh, to speak with reporters. And this is really the first time we've heard from most of them since the loss to Michigan. And it was our first chance to really get their thoughts on this upcoming Rose Bowl matchup against Utah, all sorts of questions about who's going to play, who's not going to play. Uh, We didn't hear from Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave, who were not present at this event. But there were a lot of other players, a lot of offensive linemen, defensive linemen. Um, We can certainly go through the list here, uh, Bill, as far as who we talked to. Yeah, I think what I was struck the most by was yeah, but they're, they're not going to get over the Michigan loss anytime soon, not till next year, uh, until they get a chance to play them again. But it seemed like they are a determined team. The question coming out of that game was, would there be any motivation for the Rose Bowl? It's not a playoff game. They're crushed that they're not in the playoffs. What motivation will they have? Will a, a wave of players opt out of the game? And what we heard yesterday was a pretty determined team, a team that that is – that wants to kind of save face, if that's a, the right term, and and leave, you know, go out this season with a win, builds momentum for next year. Now, I think that can be overstated. I mean, in 2013, Ohio State lost their last two games and won the national championship the next year. So, uh, you know, it's it's not like it's that big a deal, that important. But it, you, you obviously want to end the season with a win. And the Rose Bowl is the Rose Bowl. It's If you're not going to play in the playoff, that's the bowl you probably want to play in. And, and, but I think mostly we saw, you know, kind of a pissed off team. I mean, those guys were, were like, we were, we're not happy with what happened in Ann Arbor and we want to show that that's not us. We were not a soft team. We are going to be physical and Utah is a really good test for that. So that's, that's kind of what I took from it. I thought they talked about the loss to Michigan in a way that they talked about the loss to Clemson at the end of the 2019 season. And that was such a motivator for them coming back in, in 2020 and dealing with that weird COVID season. They were able to, to sort of have that game at the back of their minds or really at the forefront of their minds, pushing them through all the craziness and the uncertainty and, and, the, and, a, and a goofy season. And I think this, this Michigan game can certainly serve as a similar offseason motivation and, and motivation throughout next season, pushing, pushing toward that, that end of season game against the Wolverines. But that's, I felt as if they were willing to talk about that game. They were willing uh, to, I don't want to say dwell on it, but they they were certainly not afraid to to face the music and and discuss and look back on that game because they're not going to be able to wash that feeling out of their, that, that taste out of their mouth. And they're not going to overlook it either. They can't, I mean, it's a it's a devastating loss for for all the reasons we've we've discussed. Yeah, they already have November. I think it's twenty sixth to twenty twenty two circled on their calendars. I mean, they Jack Sawyer. Uh, I was kind of struck by what he said. He said, you know, if you're Michigan, enjoy it now because it ain't happening again. And uh, you know, 
I don't, you know, you get the sense talking to the players yesterday that maybe there was an, maybe an overconfidence going into that game that they just thought they're better, that Ohio State's better. They've beaten them eight straight times. Yeah, we know Michigan's better this year, but it's going to be the same result. And I think it was really a gut punch for them that the Michigan dominated them. And the, the difference between that game and the Clemson game was that Ohio State truly felt, and I think both people did, they were the better team that night. They, they outplayed Clemson. And the breaks and the officiating and whatever went against them, and they were deprived of, of a chance for the national championship. But, you know, first of all, that was a great team. I still maintain that's the most dominating team Ohio State team I've, I've certainly covered and maybe even watched before that. Uh, that was a great team in 2019. I don't think anyone would say this was a vintage Ohio State team. Really the only time they showed like they played like that was the Michigan State game. And I think that may have given them a, uh, maybe a false sense of confidence that, okay, we did this to Michigan State. Michigan State beat Michigan. We know it's on the road. We know Michigan's better, but it'll be the same old thing. And when it wasn't, and it was clear early on, I, I'm not sure they quite knew how to respond to that. And the other thing is, and, and I know they, they downplay this, it always sounds like such a loser's, loser's lament, as is, is, uh, uh, Ryan Day put it. But, you know, like I, I asked Steel Chambers yesterday, you know, because he mentioned that he had been sick late in the year. I said, were you sick for the Michigan game? He said, yeah. And, you know, they got pushed around. And they're not going to use it as a crutch. But it is a real thing. I mean, if you are sick, if you've got a bunch of people on your team that are sick and, and are weakened by that, and you're playing a team that's pretty close to you in talent, that could be the difference. And they look like a team that was sick, right? I mean, they just did. They look like, like not imposters. I mean, that's, um, that's a little too harsh. But it, it just is like, what's happening here? And I think, I don't know how much that played into it. I don't know how sick these guys were. I, I don't know. And, and give credit to Michigan. They played a great game. Yeah, they. I, I do think it's fair to because people people knocked C.J. Stroud last week for bringing up the sick thing. I, I do think a lot of the questions and talk about about Ohio State and, and their health for that game and how many players may or may not have had the flu has come has been questions from the media. It's, I don't think the team has been looking to necessarily bring it up, and they've, they've slipped some references a couple of times. But at, th- at this point, I mean, I, th- I think they all know. Uh, it was a you can't you can't just dwell on that. Let's uh, let's take a quick break here. Um, here we're from our sponsor. Moving out of your parents' place and getting your own can definitely be intimidating. Starting to pay for your own phone plan can be a major drag, and becoming an adult can feel like life has moved the goalposts, right? With bills, loans, opening a checking account, putting money in savings, planning for retirement, see if bank can help you cut through all that noise. You need to start building good, strong credit. We got you. You need a checking account that works for you, not against you. We got you. And when you need a loan to buy your first home, that's right, we got you there too. And you know what? You got this. Call CF Bank today at 614-505-5805 or visit us at www.cf.bank. CF Bank, the boutique bank. CF Bank, NMLS, 409132. Member FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. Terms, fees, and conditions may apply. All loans subject to credit approval. Bill, obviously, people can go to dispatch.com and, and read some of our, our coverage from what was effectively essentially media day um, and, and see who talked and everything. But but I guess a quick rundown for people of just the 
what you wrote for Friday's paper and the, the gist of the, the news items that came out of, out of Thursday, Zach Harrison talked, Tyreek Smith talked, Thayer Munford talked, two of those guys, Tyreek and, and Thayer being seniors. Cam Brown's a fourth-year guy. All of them are planning to play in the Rose Bowl. Nobody has, has formally opted out yet, and all, all those guys committed to, to playing in the game. Cam Brown even said he's going to come back later on. He posted a, a graphic and said he's going to come back after walking through senior day. So from, from the guys we've talked to, nobody said they're not going to play in this game. And Zach Harrison still has a decision to make as far as his, his draft prospects. And uh, he's a junior who obviously can, can go pro or, or stay. And then, then Tyreek Smith and, and Thayer Munford are seniors. So this will be their last game before they go pro. But, but they, are, they are going to play in the, in the bowl game. I was, I don't say I was surprised, but I would not have been surprised if there had been players who opted out. Now, I'm not, I'm not surprised the players who spoke yesterday are not going to opt out because why would you speak and then say I'm not playing? Um, you know, Chris Olave was scheduled to speak. He didn't. I guess he was, uh, he was in the trainer's room or working you know, in the weight room or something. And, uh, so we kind of waited around for him. He didn't come. Garrett Wilson was never scheduled to talk. You know, of the two, I could see Garrett Wilson opting out before Chris Olave, only because Chris Olave is from Southern California. It's a chance to play, um, get over a thousand yards for the season if that matters to him. Uh, Garrett Wilson is a junior. I, I will be very, very surprised if he comes back next year. He's proven everything he needs to prove in college, and so you know, you never know. I didn't expect Chris Olave to come back, so. You know, it's never a sure thing until it's a sure thing. Haskell Garrett didn't talk yesterday. He's a guy who could conceivably opt out. He's battled injuries all year, and he may just say, I don't, I don't want to risk it. Uh, again, we don't know. But I asked, other people asked, do you know of other people who are going to opt out? And then the answer from everybody was no. You know, not, I mean, Jackson Smith and Jigbo was a little more, he just said, I, I don't know. You know, it's up in the air. Um, and you look, you know, think about a guy like him, um, who loves playing with Olave and Gary Wilson. He loves it. But it might, and he admitted this or acknowledged it, that it might be okay if those guys don't play and he gets to play with the guys he's going to play with next year. Marvin Harrison Jr., Emeka Bigbuka, Julian Fleming, you know, even maybe Gene Ballard or something. You know, some of those guys can, can maybe get some, some playing time, significant playing time in the Rose Bowl if, if Wilson and Garrett – or Wilson and uh, – Olave uh, don't play, so you know it can be a win-win in a way. I mean, I, I think Olave would love to have Olave and Wilson play at least one of them, but I can see the benefits of giving the younger guys all those snaps. Yeah, that's always a little bit of the the dynamic with a bowl game like this, where you're not competing for a national championship, you're not in the playoff. But if you're an Ohio State fan or just a college football fan, do you want to see? Gary Wilson, Chris Olave kind of take a, a little bit of a one more curtain call and, and go out one more time and put on a show? Or do you want to see some younger players develop in this game? That's a little bit of the the issue at, at hand here, a little bit of a tug of war. Do you want to see a younger group get a chance to, to work with C.J. Stroud and build some chemistry for 2022? Or you have really a, a, a historic 1,000-yard receiving trio between – Olave and Wilson and, and, and Jackson Smith and Jigba. So that's uh, that's what we'll have to, to wait and see what happens. I don't I don't nobody has formally opted out yet, and 
we're recording this on December 17th, so we have two more weeks for the game. And, and, and Bill, we, we actually both covered this game, but uh, in the Cotton Bowl in 2017 when, when, when Denzel Ward opted out, I believe that was like right before kickoff. It was it was a very last minute decision. So I, I, I think he was even dressed. I think he was even dressed in case like there was an emergency that he had to play. I, I'm not sure about that, but I think that's that's what happened that year. So yeah, it could be a last minute thing. Um, it's kind of what I wonder about. It seems like you. This could, it's that's what I wonder. That's what I'm kind of getting yeah. at. It seems like this could certainly drag up until the days before kickoff or. Even in warm-ups, I mean, uh, we've seen some times this year where somebody's dressed and they don't play. So it, it seems to me that there could be some of this in in the game at hand where they're they're really wrestling with the decision. I wonder if I do wonder if it, they'd be better served if if uh, Gary Wilson were to say a week, a week or two before the game I'm going to play or not going to play because it would then give you a chance to to wreck guys in practice. But maybe they want to get more time to think about it. Well, I, I certainly think as soon as those players make up their minds, they're going to tell the team. They may not make it public, but they'll tell the coaches just because they want to make sure that the reps are distributed the right way. And, and for Wilson and Olave, this game really doesn't matter. Their their draft stock is pretty set. This game's not going to make a difference. Um, you know, the combine might make a difference. Some of that stuff, workouts might make a difference. They've they've proven all they need to prove on the field. So. You know, they may want to play because they want to play, and that's great if that's the case. But they don't have anything to prove. You know, you look at some of the you know, the linemen, um, not so much for the NFL, but just in general. The linemen have a lot to prove. I mean, they both sides of the ball got pushed around against Michigan and pushed around against Oregon, honestly. And, and Utah pushed around Oregon twice. So if they want to go out feeling better about themselves, then this game is important to them. They want to establish the run. They want to stop the run. I think they're going to see a lot of the run game from Ohio State because I think they, that's what they want to prove. I mean, they, they've proven they can pass the ball. They want to show that they can run the ball against a good team. So I think you know winning the game is important. They want to do it, but I think that how they win the game, I think they'd much rather run for 300 yards than pass for 400 in this game. Yeah, I think uh, Travion Henderson would certainly appreciate that game plan. That'd be probably be pretty fun for for him to to really get twenty plus carries. I do think what you're saying about the offensive lineman I, that that is one position group where I'm really not surprised that that Thayer Bunford is not opting out. For one, I mean, he's Mr. Blocko, Mr. Mr. Buckeye from this team, so you have that factor. But two, I mean. He's not coming off a particularly great game. I mean, the clip that's circulated on social media is Aiden Hutchinson is putting him on his on his rear um, and just bull rushes him. And Nicholas Petit Ferrer had one of the one probably maybe the worst game of his career at Ohio State. And I think if you are if you are both of those guys looking to get picked high in the draft, obviously you want to to maybe put out some better tape before you you leave. I don't think I think their status is is more tenuous than, than Wilson and Olave who have this extensive uh, three years and, and, and coming off a really good, good season. And, and, and both of those guys played well in the Michigan game, pulling in some, I think some tough catches, at least, uh, at least Wilson had that, that one touchdown. Um, and even for the offensive linemen, Utah is going to be a team where, I mean, they're not, as we've talked before, talked before they're a physical team. They're no slouches. Uh, they have a linebacker and Devin Lloyd, who's who's gotten some talk about him being a potential 
a high round uh, NFL draft pick. So it's, it's a, it's a chance for uh, those guys to, to match up with some good players in from Utah. Yeah. Petit Frere was one of the players who did not talk yesterday. So if he's, he could be an opt out guy, uh, we, you know, we just don't know. Um, you know, but it'd be interesting if he doesn't play, let's say, then, then you could probably, you you'd probably have Paris Johnson who would swing over from right guard to left tackle. That's where he's, projected to play next year um you know that that maybe could do do him some good to get some experience there um you know dewan jones is actually most people will be surprised he's eligible to to go to the nfl he's a junior it doesn't seem like i mean some guys been there forever it seems like they've been there forever not not him because this is his first year starting and you know he when he talked about potential of going pro he said his mind is not made up um I'm a little surprised by that because I, you know, I think that he could certainly benefit from another year as a first-time starter. Uh, obviously, a converted basketball player who's still learning the position, learning what it takes to play at a very high level, and he's he's got unbelievable potential. He played very well this year, um, but he's he's also got you know the lack of experience. So I would assume that he would come back, but I, you know, that's not a sure thing, I guess. Um, but to get those two guys, you know, Paris Johnson play left tackle a little bit would probably do him some good because. You know, that's that's where his future is. This will probably be Paris Johnson's last game at guard. Yeah, I mean, you would think so, right? You would think so. He was I mean, asked about that, and he, he laughed. Asked if he was looking forward to, it, and he laughed and said, "Yes." He's, he said he's very much looking forward to playing tackle uh, next year. He's been a, he's been a pretty good soldier for for the last two years. I mean, he was somebody who came in and wanted to start at tackle right away, and I, which I think hadn't happened since Orlando Pace, right? Uh, didn't happen. He was a backup as a freshman, played guard this year. So he's patiently waited for his turn, and, and next year he'll he'll get that, obviously. Isn't Petit Frere eligible to come back, right? He, he could come back. I mean, I'd be very surprised if he does. I think we talked about it. Did we talk yeah, about it on the podcast or this week? I can't, sometimes I forget if we actually talked about it on the podcast, but we just talked about it. Like, I'm assuming he's going to go. But, again, like Olave, I assumed their Munford was going to be gone. And so um, now you know, imagine if Petit Frere comes back and and, and Dewan Jones leaves. <laughs> that, would, that would be a, quite the surprise. But it's, it's conceivable. I think that's unlikely, but it's conceivable. I mean, I expect it's conceivable Petit Frere to go. Come back. And then, yeah. Then and then Paris Johnson. <laughs> like, what? what? <laughs> Maybe Petit Frere would move inside with Paris Johnson to play tackle <laughs> like Munford did this year. So, yeah, you know, I, in conversations with the players yesterday, they were um, they were looking forward to this game, more so than I thought. I thought it would be lip service and you could kind of see through their lack of enthusiasm. But they did seem genuinely excited to play in this game. You know, how much they know about the history of, of uh, the Rose Bowl and the fact that Ohio State used to be – that was that was the pinnacle. You get to go to Pasadena, that's – you know, mission accomplished. Um, how much they're aware of that, I, I'm not sure. But I think they know enough to know that the Rose Bowl is is still a special bowl. Yeah, I think this game is going to matter to them largely because they lost in the game beforehand. I think there are some things about the Rose Bowl still being the, the best of the bowl games. If you're not in the playoff, you might as well be in the Rose Bowl. I think the Rose Bowl matters to guys more than, than maybe the Peach Bowl or the Fiesta Bowl or, or the Outback Bowl or the, the Capital One Bowl, and, and you can go down the line. 
But I think having lost to Michigan is really, I think, the driving motivation behind a lot of these guys and it, going into this game. And I think it would be different if, if you were to maybe flip it and say, say they had lost to Michigan State and then had beaten Michigan but still didn't make the Big Ten title game because of some tiebreaker situation. I don't know if they, they would feel the same way that they, they do about it now because it feels specifically tied to Michigan and trying to – to remove the sting from that game. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, hey, Bill, let's take one more uh, quick break here, and we'll be right back. You have to stand behind a statement like the best buying experience in the business. At Rosati Windows, their commitment to the customer has not changed since day one. Mike Rosati realizes that people have options when choosing replacement windows, which is why he appreciates each and every one of their customers. At Rosati Windows, they pride themselves on the very high standards of business ethics and customer satisfaction. They are accredited with an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, a top business with customer choice, and voted by Central Ohio as the best business in the window community with the Columbus Dispatch. That list goes on and on, but it's important to point out their customers voted for Rosati Windows for these awards, and it's why they make a statement like, Rosati Windows is the best buying experience in the business. I do want to touch on 2022 quickly here because anytime, anytime you're not in a college, you're in the, not in the college football playoff, it becomes a situation where you sort of have one foot left in the 2021 season and, and you have the next foot looking ahead to next season. And one of the bigger newsier developments from this week was Cam Brown's going to come back. Uh, we haven't gotten a lot of answers from, from draft-eligible guys, most of them like Zach Harrison, still mulling the decision, Dewan Jones mulling the decision. We did hear from, from Ronnie Hickman, who's uh, a registered sophomore, said he's coming back, and, and Cam Brown said he's coming back. And that probably is the, the biggest news of the guys because he was somebody who had walked during senior day. He had gone through uh, that, introdu- that introduction, and it seemed like he was leaning toward going. And you look at all the injuries Cam Brown has had in his career at Ohio State, maybe you don't want to risk it by coming back. Uh, he's been very good when healthy, but he's been hurt. And if you come back, maybe there's a risk you get hurt again, and it really hurt, dampers your NFL chances. But him coming back is, is pretty big, I think, for Ohio State. It is, because now you have two bona fide starting quarterbacks. Denzel Burke will be a sophomore next year. He had a fantastic year this year as a freshman. Uh, to be able to have Cam Brown uh, as the, the other corner, I think that's that's a big foundational piece. You know, it's funny when when I listened to Cam Brown. I think that was right after Zach Harrison talked, and they were, of course, both asked about their futures, and you know, they were non-committal, both of them. But you try to read tea leaves and and body language and how they answer things. And I came away from talking to each of those thinking, I think Cam Brown's leaving. And I think Zach Harrison's staying. And then hours later, Cam Brown says he's he's staying. Um, you know, again, I don't know what Zach Harrison is going to do. I don't know if Zach Harrison knows what he's going to do, but it sounded like, you know, when he was listing the things that would, that would be uh, motivation for coming back, there were a lot of them. And so, yeah, he had a good year. He did have a good year, but was it the spectacular year that he was maybe hoping for? No, it wasn't. Um, he wasn't Aiden Hutchinson. You know, maybe, maybe that's the motivation. Maybe I'll come back and I'll be Aiden Hutchinson next year. And, um, now, Ohio State's you know, not not uh, without defensive ends. Obviously, JT to a, to a, I get it. I finally get it. 
to a Molo Uh And Jack Sawyer are going to be sophomore next year. Javante Jean-Baptiste is going to be back. Uh, Tyler Friday, uh, who missed all the year, all season, is going to be back. So, you know, they got some depth. But if Zach Harrison does come back, that's a huge, huge uh, piece to the puzzle because he does have the ability to dominate. And, and I think that, um, you know, the other part of that is there are rumors about Larry Johnson's future. I asked one of the players afterward about Larry, and he said, we fully, firmly believe he's coming back. I have no indication that he's not coming back. Um, you know, there are always rumors about Larry Johnson because he's, you know, he's an older guy. And other teams, other programs use that against him, try to recruit and say, oh, he's going to retire. And it's always a question that Ohio State has to answer. Um, we've got nothing definitive that he's actually contemplating retirement, but it's, it's out there. So, um, you know, that would be interesting to see what, what happens. But, and, you know, we talked about the recruiting the other day. They really like, uh, you know, Caden Curry, the, the kid from Indiana, um, and feel like he's going to be an impact player down the road. I think it would matter for them getting Zach Harrison back. I mean, you started rattling off names, and, and there are a lot of talented ones there, but nobody has started a full season uh, of those guys, and he's the one guy who has starting experience, and, and he's somebody who has shown to have a high ceiling. One of the things he said he would want to come back for or thinks he needs to work on is, is consistency, and, and I think that would be a reason for him to come back because you haven't seen him – I feel like put stack games on games on games. I mean, there are certain moments you can go back through the year, the, the strip sack against Minnesota, the strip sack against Penn state. But when you when you look at guys like the Bosa brothers or, or Chase Young, I mean, they made a huge impact week in and week out. And he's always been talked about as, as the next in line with those guys. And, and maybe those sometimes are unfair expectations because those were really generational pass rushers. But I mean, there, I think there is something to be said for just being able to perform on a, on a week-to-week basis. And Zach Harrison finished with three sacks this year. It's not as if he was a, a double-digit guy. And I think there's, there's value to coming back and, and really playing yourself up into a higher draft stock because it's not as if uh, there's a ceiling to, to being a defensive end. I mean, there's some, there's some positions where you're only going to get picked so high. If you're a running back, it's hard to get drafted in the first round. But if you – if you are a star pass rusher, you can go in the first round and you can go as high as the top three, the top 10, not saying it's where Zach Harrison's going to go, but there's a lot of, uh, there's a big ceiling in your position. Yeah. I mentioned Aiden Hutchinson. He was kind of a borderline first round pick at this time last yeah. year. Now he might be the first pick of the draft. And so, I mean, does Zach Harrison have that kind of potential? I think he does. I mean, I think he's, he's you know, he's got everything in terms of measurables and, He's a smart guy and works hard, and so there's nothing to prevent him from being that that kind of guy, other than just doing it. And um, you know, again, I don't want to read too much into the, what he said yesterday because I'm I'm not sure that he even knows. But I I just kind of got the impression that he's kind of hungry to come back. And again, I think the Michigan thing that's a factor. I mean, I do think that's a factor in whether guys want to come back. But I asked. There, Munford. I mean, he's a six-year guy. It is. I said, "Would you like to come back next year just to, you know, and play in the Michigan game?" He said, "Well, I'd come back just to play in that game. I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't play the rest of the season. But if I could play in that game, yes, I would. I would play in that game." And and so, 
Zach Harrison's got a chance, and all these other guys have a chance to to go out with a, a win against Michigan, unlike Thayer Munford, Chris Olave, and some of those guys. I mean, they do have a chance to, to for one more year of eligibility and and take that and to have that opportunity. And I, I think that's going to matter. I mean, they're going to see that Thayer Munford said. I asked about this because after the 1969 game, Woody Hayes put 24-12 all over the the facility, and I'm pretty sure it wasn't called the Woody Hayes Center then, but but. Uh, uh, I would expect there to be 42-27 everywhere in that building. And Aaron Munford said, yeah, it's probably going to happen. So they're gonna, that's going to be a constant reminder for them. And I think that's an incentive for guys who might be on the fence to come back. Yeah, certainly possible could factor into to Zach Harrison's thought process and, and all that. I, I do think you, you point out Agent Hutchinson, and that is an interesting template to think about because last year Ohio State lost to Alabama in the title game, and, and Devin Smith from Alabama, the Heisman Trophy winner, had this great year, wins the award, as a, and really had a, had a huge season as a senior. And you, you wondered, what was that part? How did that factor into Chris Olave, seeing somebody on the other sideline stick around for – for senior year and really have this superstar season win the Heisman. Well, Aiden Hutchinson stuck around for his senior season, did win the Heisman, but came in second in the voting and really has this All-American season. And I think if you're somebody on the that, that borderline, you have to, to recognize that or at least factor that and, and certainly think about that because that does leave an impression. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So – you know, we'll find out whenever we find out, uh, both about the opt-outs and then, and then the decisions to come back. And guys changed their mind. I mentioned the other day that Damon Arnett was, was gone in his mind and reconsidered. And so it, it's a tough decision. Look, they, a lot of them just love playing college. Now that you have NIL, a name, image, and likeness, there's, you know, maybe more incentive to stay. I mean, you know, it's not for, for players that – whose families actually, I mean, really need the money. Um, there's now a vehicle to, to make some money in college. And maybe if you feel like, yeah, I, it would be better for me to develop another year and then be a higher draft pick next year. But I, you know, I need the money. I need, I need some kind of income. Well, that's now an option. And so um, I don't know how that's going to affect things, but that's, again, another factor in the equation. Yeah, this is going to be the first time where we're going to see players directly impacted uh, or directly influenced by, by name, image, likeness possibilities in, in their draft decisions. I guess last year it could have been, but it was more of a hypothetical because name, image, likeness rules had not been put into effect and there was, there was no guarantee they were for, for Ohio State's players because state law had not been passed and the NCAA had, had not put in any sort of – interim policy but this is the first time where guys have been paid before and they're going to then make a decision on if they want to continue to be paid in college and it's it's not the life-changing money that a first-round NFL contract is but it's it's not nothing and which is what they, they weren't getting any any cash on legally any cash on the side before and, and now they're they're avenues for them to do that so it'll be uh worth taking stock in in January after the dust settles and just how that influence guys' final final calls. Uh, but th- I think that pretty much covers it. As, Bill, as far as the guys we heard from yesterday, is there anything else uh, you thought we really learned as, as the Buckeyes start looking ahead to, to Utah here in two weeks? 
Well, I'll be honest, uh, some of the interviews I haven't heard, I taped them all, but um, you know, they spoke at the same time. So uh, there's still interviews I haven't heard. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I, you know, I, I know the, how the players that I was able to talk to, how they feel about things. But um, yeah, just as I said at the beginning, this, this is more of a hungry team. More of an, I mean, I knew they'd be an angry team, but they are genuinely looking forward to playing in this game. If they're, if they say what they mean, they mean what they say. I should say, um, that's, you know, I, that was the big factor. Was are they going to have motivation? And they say they will. We'll see soon enough. Uh, only two weeks to go until kickoff, and the days are going to pass by here over the the Christmas holiday, and as we get closer to. To New Year's Day, the the team, I guess, if the, the general itinerary for Ohio State is they're going to continue practicing uh, about to the middle of next week, go home for a couple of days for Christmas, then reconvene in, in Southern California on December 26th, and then media events will start around December 27th. So a few more practices in Columbus before their holiday break, and, and then it's off to Los Angeles and Sunshine. Burbank, close to Burbank. That's where I'm going to. Burbank. Joey is from Burbank. Yeah. Lovely, lovely downtown Burbank, or not downtown Burbank? Beautiful downtown Burbank. Is that what it was? Beautiful, beautiful. That's, that's right. It was beautiful. Before your time, I know Johnny Carson. But I have downtown heard. Burbank. Yeah. Um, all right. You can. You want to send us off here? I should say if if you're if you're going after the game. Happy to answer any questions that folks have. I will be your your chamber of commerce, your your tour the guide. Tour guide. Yes. Okay. So I, I, I know. Send, send, ask Ask Joey what to do out in California. He is not to fly to LAX. The key is always to fly to Burbank or Long Beach. That's my advice. There we go. Free until advice you, until you get there. It's not the traffic zone that LAX is. Much easier to navigate. How about that? Thank there, you, Joey. There you go. But my door is always open. You can just email me, and, I'll, and I will see you through uh, to a, a, a good time. Uh, hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. <laughs> uh, you can always subscribe and have a podcast. Visit us at dispatch.com, buckeye.com. Buckeye Extra Football Podcast is presented by CF Bank, the Boutique Bank, member FDIC and equal housing lender, and Rosati Windows, Central Ohio's number one replacement window company. Be sure and subscribe to the Buckeye Extra Podcast in the iTunes Store, the Google Play Store, or on Stitcher.